Hi, my name is David Svikalman, and this is the introduction to a series of classes called God Is, which is an attempt to do Jewish theology in a slightly different way than I have seen it done before. I want to say off the bat that this is kind of a new venture for me, and I'm feeling my way along as I teach these classes. Um, so if this comes across as being a first stab at something, that's because it is. Um, and I'll freely admit that I feel less comfortable with this material than I do with the material from my previous class uh, on halacha, which is about the philosophy of Jewish law. Um, but the reason I wanted to do this class is because I felt that discussions of theology are often left to the side, not by some Jews, but by all Jews, and that uh, theology is an area of Judaism which is almost universally not taken seriously enough, and I think um, to, de to the degree it is discussed, it's discussed in a way that is not helpful for people in their lives uh, and does not bring out fully all the richness of the Jewish tradition um, in discussions of God. So this is a, a small attempt to, to do Jewish theology in a different way um, and with a particular focus on bringing out images and not really talking about arguments and about the many arguments that Jews have had over the centuries about um, proper and improper ways of thinking about God. So in the future podcasts, you'll hear um, recordings of the classes. Today I just wanted to read you a statement that I wrote in preparation for this class as a kind of meditation for myself and for you about what I intend this class to be. So as the series of classes begins, I want to say that I'm approaching this with a great deal of trepidation. Like many other observant Jews, Halakha is what I live and breathe. Like many other observant Jews, Halakha has also been my major sparring partner. Today, religious arguments within the Jewish world are almost always arguments about Jewish law or about the authority upon which Jewish legal texts are based. What is almost entirely absent from any of these discussions is substantive conversation about how Jews should and should not relate to God. Though God is not entirely hidden from our discussions, neither is God at its center. The Divine Presence is always in our peripheral vision, which is to say, close enough to know that it's there without really knowing its form. And why should we look directly? The Torah itself says that staring would be lethal. We are the people of Na'asev Nishma, the ones who do before they comprehend, the ones who put action before reflection. When God restricts himself to the four cubits of halacha, why should we do otherwise? If six million deaths does not make us lose faith, it may leave many of us declaring to heaven along with Yassel Iraq over, I love you, but I love your Torah more. After centuries, the world created by the rabbis is so very deep that it is almost enough to overwhelm God's world. Why not just stay inside with our books and our commentaries and once in a while mouth out the words, Yitkadal vitkadash Who needs more than four cubits anyway? Perhaps no one needs God more than people who attend Shabbat morning services. In the last decade, there has been a great increase in the number of independent minyanim, and each minyan functions according to a set of guiding principles. Some minyanim pivot on gender equality or pluralism, but there are also a set of minyanim whom the central principle is that services should be as short and as efficient as possible, whom the minyan's end goal is to have the minyan end. A minyan can have a machitza. Not have a mechitza, have two mechitzas, but without God's presence, these services are just projections of our own ideologies onto an arbitrary ritual status quo. 
neither revolution nor preserving tradition is a guarantee that we are engaging the divine. Worse, it is entirely possible to use zeal for a particular religious praxis as a way of distracting ourselves from thinking about God directly. Devoting oneself to a religious movement can seem the same as devoting oneself to the religion itself. There are so many things to enrage us in the Jewish world, the state of Jewish education, demographic crises, political scandals, intolerance, treatment of queer Jews, that one can feel like one is fulfilling one's religious mission just by being level-headed. Indeed, we do have a responsibility to reform the Jewish world for the better. But the need to solve local problems does not absolve us of the need to engage with the core of the religion itself, with the faith that lies behind the words. In the short term, the risks of ignoring this faith are not so great. The rabbinic corpus is large enough that we can pretend that talking about Jewish law is the same as talking about Judaism in its entirety. But if we continue to ignore this faith, if we only gesture at God with snippets of Heschel or with creative reinterpretations of the meaning of Mount Sinai, then we turn a pillar of Judaism into mere caricature, reducing thought to afterthought. To be fair, Jews have been playing with God for a long time. In the Torah and in rabbinic literature, we have imagined God's behavior, his conversations, and his temperaments. We have argued theology with one another, but theology was not usually the main reason for our community fragmenting. The Talmud even allows for a God who not only respects, but desires sons who come together and defeat him. But I think what has happened in the past century is that we have mistaken a God who allows us to revise our relationship with him, for a God who simply fades into the background of praxis and falls silent. Inside our four cubits of halacha, God's myriad faces and names seem not only impossible to approach, but downright non-Jewish, as unworthy of the rigor of our praxis. In searching for a God who governs halacha alone, we are bound to be disappointed by divinity conveyed in Agadah. And disappointment is, I think, where most Jews stand in their relationships with God. Sometimes we say that we envy a Christian God, a God who loves unconditionally, a God whose image never fluctuates, who has a recognizable form and whose body is accessible. We are desirous of a Judaism that has strong things to say about God, even while more than two millennia of exactly the sources that we seek stand before us. We do this, and it is the goal of this class to attempt to correct this, because we view Jewish theology as a loose string of arguments and counter-arguments without ever really stopping to think about what any one vision of the Jewish God really feels like. Entangled in arguments about divine existence and divine simplicity and divine knowledge and divine will, we eschew all images of the divine without taking seriously the admission of Maimonides and Sajagon alike that descriptions of God are there for us. They are for us because images persist in being vital for all our relationships, between human and human, and between human and God. Though the Torah describes a God who feels, we feel, unable to engage in such behavior. Instead, we half-heartedly repeat the phrases of our Sidorim, praise a God who we know should not need praise, and hope that services end in a timely manner or at least have some nice singing in them. I believe that Judaism's many images of God are there not to obfuscate a rationally untenable position, but because God is perceived in many ways, and each of those ways is valid and deep and worthy of our attention. I believe in a God who is a Melech, and a God who is a Shechina, an Adon Alam, and a Makom, and a Chad, and an Emet. What I want to emerge from this class, both for you and for me, is enough language to describe each of these images of God 
that we can make them real for ourselves in daily life, that they can appear not simply as historical Jewish descriptions of the divine, but as the divine itself. What I am searching for in this class is better language, and I hope you will help me find it. Thanks very much, and I hope you listen to the rest of the podcast.